Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The second installment of Harry and Meghan's documentary series is here. The public reacts with mixed opinions. Also mixed, interest in King Charles's upcoming Christmas speech. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's chief royal correspondent. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher based in the U.S. And this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. And hello to all the sleep-deprived Sussex fans who stayed up all night once again to watch the second and final installment of the Netflix documentary series Harry and Meghan. Yes, indeed. Both Kristen and I are among you, although I must admit it was only eight o'clock in Britain, so I am well slept. <laughs> I am, I'm it was 3 a.m. when I was watching Jack. 3 a.m. <laughs> you have my sympathy. <laughs> um, we have, of course, watched all of episodes four to six, as well as the original three when they came out, and we did it the minute they went live. Um, and we're now here to share everything that we considered juicy, everything that we considered explosive, all the best bits. Yes. Now, as you may recall, the first half of the documentary series, um, there was some criticism of Meghan's side of the family, but Harry's was mostly, you know, left out of the conversation for the most part. Things changed, though, in episodes four through six. So we pick up the story with Harry and Meghan getting married, with Meghan being the toast of the town, with perhaps she's um, eclipsing the Cambridges. Perhaps she's a little bit more exciting than Charles and Camilla to the world. Perhaps she's unintentionally taking all the headlines away from the other members of the firm. And not everybody's feeling good about their new megawatt star, Megan. And just before we get into all of that explosive stuff, I did actually really love the behind the scenes photos of the wedding. <clears throat> Weirdly, like I think oh, one of yes. one of my favorite ones was actually Prince Harry and Idris Elba chatting while Idris Elba was on the decks um, during like the wedding party, which I thought was a really fun picture. Um, and all of the ones of Harry and Meghan's dance, I thought were brilliant. So there were some really, really lovely pictures of that. But yes, like you say, after the wedding, obviously, that is when... It all disintegrated. And um, that happened, Harry and Meghan said, from about October 2018, which matches what they said to Oprah. But here they gave some actually slightly more concrete stuff about what they think took place. And Meghan describes this moment when it was November 2018, Remembrance, and they went to the uh, British Legion's Festival of Remembrance at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, the picture of Meghan wound up on the front page of the Telegraph. They were sat for an awkward breakfast at Buckingham Palace because Harry and Meghan felt that Meghan had inadvertently pushed all the other royals off the front page and outshone them. Did she accidentally push them aside or was the public interest so high in her? Uh, you know, that's one of the things that is discussed at length in these episodes. How much is being pushed by the public? How much is being pushed by the tabloids? And frankly, how much is being pushed by social media and by the palace themselves. Who is leaking to whom? Who is taking what's on social media as fact? And there are a lot of uh, 
factions here fighting against each other. And uh, in in this case, with Megan getting all this attention, the palace is pushing back. And notably, here's one of the first bombshells here we're going to give. Harry says that he and Wills, growing up, saw what was happening with his parents, with the leaking of the stories, with trying to get the media to take sides. And they said, we are never going to do this. This is something we will never do. And then Harry says, but Wills did it anyway. Yeah, he places the blame squarely at William for allowing their office to become divided and competitive in the way that he says Charles and Diana's office was. Um, Charles and Diana obviously, you know, famously uh, fell out predominantly, I suppose, because of problems in their marital life. But also there was always this thing that Charles had been jealous of Diana, that the public loved Diana. They wanted to speak to her instead of him when they did walkabouts together. And Harry says him and William had always said that they would never let this happen to them and now here it was it was happening um so he is uh harry clearly feels that william was to blame for that i mean one interesting thing just on the point about jealousy is that um megan had been making the front pages of newspapers actually for quite a long time i think there were i always felt that there were signs of jealousy early in 2018 you know i for me oh i agree yes there were, do you remember all the comp- competition over diary clashes and uh, jobs that were on the same day and then Megan would get a great show in the paper and all of that, that whole era when she first arrived and the papers were calling it, calling it Megmania? Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, she already was a mature adult woman when she entered the firm. She wasn't like Kate. Kate, remember, started dating Wills when she was just a teenager. And meanwhile, we have Megan, who had been on the international stage, both literally and figuratively, starring in movies, in TV shows, giving speeches for the UN, making goodwill visits. She was very, very accustomed and very poised uh, as far as, you know, this new role. She was used to humanitarian work. She was used to giving talks and shaking hands and so on. And she, you may remember this motto, sparkle like Markle. She brought the sparkle everywhere she went, and it was very easy for her, and maybe she did it a little too well. It's worth pointing out, though, that Kate has also beaten other royals to the front page on many occasions, and I kind of feel that Charles is so accustomed to being outshone that I find it difficult to believe that he is really the one who was jealous here. Uh, Camilla as well. I mean, the idea that Camilla would be upset at being outshone, I mean, she would be upset at every single time she did a job with either the queen or william or kate you know that get charles any member of the family pretty much except (coughs) andrew yeah (laughs) exactly they struggle for column inches like that is the simple reality charles and camilla have for a very very long time had to really work quite hard in order to get into the newspaper at all um so yeah i mean kate has been that person many many times you know pictures of remembrance and what goes on the front page obviously it's going to be kate because she is one of the most um, you know, d- desirable and loved members of the family. And actually, you know, one thing I've noticed as a royal correspondent is if you go through Getty images, there are, I have to say, a great many pictures of that couple together where Kate is in focus and William is blurred because clearly the <laughs> photographer is training his focus on Kate. Um, and it's quite difficult sometimes to find a picture that's the other way around. Like if your story is about Prince William and Kate's not actually that relevant to it, um, it's quite difficult to find a picture where William is in focus and Kate is blurred. Well, the thing is, Harry says, this jealousy um, was a problem. And so they would try to bump Megan off the page. And 
also use Megan as a distraction. If there were stories that were coming from the firm that they tried to bury, uh, things that were unflattering about William, about Charles, about any of the other senior members at the firm, now more than ever, let's leak some stories to the tabloids about how Megan is terrible. Let's find some tweets and turn those uh, very, very ugly tweets into stories. And so Harry makes it clear that this was something that was deliberate. It was a concerted effort. One thing to just give some balance, though, is he doesn't actually give very many examples of times that he says the palace leaked a story in order to squash something negative about William and Kate or to push Meghan off the front page. So I was kind of thinking, like, I would really like to know which stories he's saying they are. Like, can we actually have some concrete examples of times when he says that this has happened? Um, But obviously, we have Spare coming out in January. Um, but a couple of weeks away, I think th- well, a little more than three weeks away now. Um, and so obviously me and you, Kristen, will both be bleary eyed and tired again <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on January the Up 10th. all night reading that tome. <laughs> yes, we will be. <laughs> um, and of course, podcasting at some point and bringing you all, the, yes. uh, all of our views on it. But no, I mean, it would be really interesting to see more detail. I think one thing that, you know, if I was, if there was a take home for Harry and Meghan from this documentary, it's that there's still more detail and concrete factual information that they could be providing to back up some of this stuff. So, you know, that is what I'm looking for in spare, basically. Yeah. And um, I think the whole world wants more of those details. And who knows, maybe Harry's publisher says, you got to save some of the magic for the book. You got to save some of the dirt. Because if you give it all away in, you know, your podcasts, in your TV series, no one's going to want to read your book because there's not going to be enough dirt in it. So I'm imagining there's going to be some stuff in his book that's not been in the series so far. But let's talk about a few of the other things in the series that jumped out to me. Um, One thing is that uh, Harry says that when he and Megan split from the firm, Megan was shut out of that whole conversation. She was not allowed to be a part of it. It was William. It was uh, William specifically shouting and screaming is what uh, is what Harry says. Uh, it was Charles speaking untruths. It was the Queen just quietly sitting there. It was Harry saying we want to be half in, half out, and then Harry being told no, absolutely not. Um, uh, but the screaming and the yelling, followed by the fact that Harry says he's still waiting for an apology and has not gotten an apology yet. Um, I, I thought that was pretty explosive when he talked about that in this series. Yes, he said that he was terrified at the Sandringham Summit, which, for those who don't know, was the big exit negotiations that took place in January 2020. So by this point, the uh, there was an initial story on the front page of The Sun which suggested that they were going to take some time out in North America, and then they put the Sussex Royal website online, and that was their roadmap for their exit, and that made it cr- like kind of crystal clear and confirmed that, in fact, yes, they were leaving So the Sandringham Summit was the kind of crisis talks that took place a a few days after that, week after that or so. Um, And yeah, it was the Queen, Charles, William and Harry and their various private secretaries and palace aides sitting down trying to hammer out a pathway to Harry and Meghan actually leaving. 
Um, this was they had already got to the point where Harry felt that the Queen had um, he'd been blocked by palisades from seeing the Queen, and so then we now get this new chapter in that where he says he was terrified um, as William shouted. Um, yeah. So and he was when you say blocked, it's because he did already have appointments in his diary to see the Queen. He and the Queen very friendly, very close, talk on the phone, Skype. Um, plans were already in place to, you know, spend some time with grandma in an official capacity to talk about the future. And then suddenly all of those appointments were completely deleted from the diary. It wasn't going to happen anymore. And that was because Charles and William blocked him. Yes, indeed. And one thing that's really interesting about this is that um, Harry was actually asked by Oprah about his relationship with his brother. And she, he said, you know, I love William to bits. We, we've been through hell together. We have this shared experience from the death of Princess Diana. And he basically kind of swerved the question. You know, he acknowledged that clearly they're on different paths, but he didn't get into the actual kind of hand grenades that we've had in the second part of this documentary. So, I mean, I guess either he was kind of saving it for the for the Netflix documentary or something has happened between Oprah and today that he's felt that the gloves have come off and now he can tell the story about William in spite of everything that they went through together when Princess Diana died. He also interestingly yeah. says that William uh, was on the, is now on the side of the institution, which I thought was very interesting language in terms of Princess Diana's own comments on the institution. Yeah. But he also had some empathy for William. He said, and I understand this is, you know, his birthright. That mm. This is, you know, what he was born to do. He understands and he also admits there were times when maybe he was a little bit too much of an institution person and not a husband. For example, when Megan was struggling with suicidal ideation, when uh, she was talking with him, with her mother, uh, begging the palace to be assisted with her mental health. Um, Harry admits, I really screwed up. I mm. was institution Harry. I was not husband Harry. I just kept thinking, what are people going to think about us? What are people going to say about us? Stiff upper lip. Uh, let's, let's not get dramatic here. And he really expressed regrets about that. But he, you know, he said he was trained his whole life to be institution Harry, not to be human Harry. Yes, I suppose that's a really interesting point is that this kind of they were all, they were all the institution for a long time and then this was the moment that Harry broke off from that path and I suppose William for the first time had was confronted with that need to decide whether he was going to be on the side of the institution or whether he was going to back his brother and I guess perhaps Harry thought that maybe William might back him uh, one might infer uh, or certainly he acknowledged the fact that clearly it was a possibility that William might have backed him and didn't. And he said that uh, the, he said the saddest part of it was the wedge created between myself and my brother so that he's now on the institution's side. Um, so, you know, obviously, again, it was the same with Oprah and with this Netflix show as well. Princess Diana does kind of hang over the whole conversation. And one thing that gets said to me constantly and i'm always interested in the comments of people who aren't really involved in the royal debate but who just dip their toes in and out and one thing that gets said to me constantly is you know people really hope that the relationship will be repaired and they kind of have this idea of harry and william as diana's boys still in the forefront of their mind i think realistically we're at a point now where i don't think this relationship is going to repair or certainly not anytime soon um, but clearly Harry either yeah, understands or sees it the same way that Diana is kind of the figure who lurks over all of these discussions. 
Yeah. And he even refers to his wedding day with Megan as the day the world got to see Diana's other boy get married. As mm. Diana's boys, there's so much emotional investment in Harry and in William. And of course, uh, Harry, again, brings up the parallels between his situation with Megan and with Diana's situation being constantly hounded by the paparazzi and uh, as a little boy riding in the car with his mom while she would sob being mm. chased down and then wipe away those tears when it was time to get out and shake hands and put a smile on her face. And he said, you know, this is something I saw my mom do. And now I dragged my wife into this where this is her life too. So we see those parallels. And um, I do want to also point out a little bit of a happier moment. We also have Diana, of course, um, represented in the children of Meghan and Harry. They, they talk frankly about the fact that Lilibet Diana, their daughter, that she looks like a Spencer. She has those blue, blue eyes, that light hair. She is a Spencer through and through is what they say. And they say it with such adoration when they speak of their daughter. Yeah, he says that uh, that Lilibet looks like um, looks like Diana and Archie looks like Megan. And I have to say, as a dad, that I can kind of feel his pain because my son looks like my dad and my wife. <laughs> and it, it does seem to be a and thing. And nobody looks like you. No one looks like me. I mean, he might grow into looking like me. I mean, he's definitely got some of me because he does look like my dad, like particularly around his like eyes and nose. Um, but yeah, like it, I, I feel your pain, Harry. I feel your pain. It's something we all go through. Were there other moments that really stood out to you, Jack, that you thought were either really explosive or really heartwarming in this second part of the series? Oh, yes, many more. But I have to say that one of the most heartbreaking things um, early on in this second part is uh, that Midoriya describes how Megan told her that she was experiencing suicidal thoughts. And she talks about her kind of helplessness as a mother that she couldn't, you know, she couldn't really save her daughter. And that I just found completely heartbreaking. Um, I think Doria, in a way, has been like the the kind of like uh, star of the show of the whole documentary who's coming from left field. We didn't know beforehand that she was going to be in here. Um, and she comes across incredibly well on camera. And that, yeah, this was a moment where I was just like, oh my God, that must have been awful. Oh yeah. Nobody wants to hear their child say, I want to end my life and I want to do it now. Nobody wants to hear their child say that. And Doria, even though it's been a few years since that happened, she breaks down and cries. She has to pause to cry while she tells the story. Oh, it is just, it's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And I agree with you, Jack. Doria is just, in so many ways, the heart of the series, the mm. stability, the voice of reason. Um, she, she's just fantastic in this. She really is. She comes across as so human also, you know? Yeah, 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 in, yeah. in so many ways, Harry and Meghan are public figures who are very polished, but Doria just comes off as completely human every time she's on screen. Yeah, everyone loves Doria. Um, but also, I mean, okay, so there are, we have to talk about some subjects that we have discussed many, many times on the Royal Report before, including <laughs> repeat, <laughs> repeat the guest who isn't here, you know, the guy who we always talk about, who's never in the room, Jason Knuff. Oh, Jason <laughs> Knuff! Back. 
<laughs> I am so glad he came up because he comes up when you and I talk all the time, Jack. And he comes up so much in this that even the final thing we see on the black screen, the script across the screen is about him. Tell us more about that, Jack. Okay, so let's start at the top, which is basically uh, Megan and Jenny Affia, who's Megan and Harry's lawyer at Shillings, accuse effectively William of giving Jason permission to leak a huge trove of Megan's emails and private text messages to him to the Courts of Appeal. Now, this caused Megan a significant amount of embarrassment at the time. She had to give a witness statement to the court in which she had to apologise for misleading the court um, about a number of things, including um, whether she had cooperated with the authors of Finding Freedom, Omid, who many people will already uh, know, as not least of all because he was a guest on this show. Um... And this was, you know, a real wound, I think, for Harry and Meghan. And what we get to see in this documentary is them reacting live, having just been told that this is happening, that Jason has given a witness statement and is handing over these emails. And Meghan's kind of saying, what do we do? What what do we do? And it also features uh, Mandana Dayani, who is the former president now of the Archwell Foundation, but at the time was in that role. And she's kind of saying... But why is he being described as your uh, your staff when he works for William and Kate? This guy works for your brother. And Megan's saying, look, I'm not going to say anything about your brother, but it's so obvious. Um, and then we have Jenny Affia come on screen and basically say explicitly that Jason would only have done that with the permission of his bosses. And uh, he works for, um, the, for the Duke of Cambridge. Uh, so this is like a, another of those really crystal clear allegations but like you said at the very end jason has explicitly denies this denied this and said it's entirely false yeah but i'm a little confused about the denial to be honest with you um because uh i mean he, he claims he was advised to do it that he didn't offer to do it well to me that's like pretty much the same thing who advised you to do it if you didn't offer to do it somebody advised you to do it I'm very confused by that. Yeah, I think he's saying that his lawyer, so he, at some point, Jason got lawyered up and um, because he knew that he was potentially going to be called upon to be a witness or to give some kind of material. So he hired himself outside counsel. Uh, so neither the royal family's lawyers nor obviously the legal team for Harry and Meghan. And he, I think what he's suggesting is that his own uh, his own lawyer um, advised him that the material he had was relevant to the case. I mean, you know, I'm sure that he could have said that he didn't want to do it if if that's you know if that's the case um but what he's clearly saying is you know he's saying it's entirely false to suggest that William authorized it uh so that's mm. his position i mean but jason we've discussed this before jason very fishy william and kate very fishy with a lot of this stuff and we learn in this documentary that according to harry you know that letter that got intercepted by the Daily Mail that was at the heart of this whole privacy case that was the reason that, you know, Jason's documentation was released. The, at the heart of all that, this letter was something Megan wrote to her dad because she was advised by the senior royals to try and smooth things over with her dad to get her dad to stop, you know, interacting with the tabloid press. Megan did not 
write that letter with the hope that it would be intercepted and then with the hope that it would be sympathetic to her, as many people who um, are in the Cambridge camp claim. This is something that, according to Harry and Meghan, she was told to do by the senior royals. Yeah, so she says the Queen and Charles specifically advised her to write it. And this touches on some things that we knew already. So we already knew that Meghan had gone out and stayed with Charles and Camilla. um, And then there had been a conversation with Charles and another unidentified senior royal family member um, in which the letter had been discussed. And she kind of said off the back of those conversations, she made the decision to send the letter. Um, but now she's saying really explicitly, A, she's named the Queen as the other senior royal, but also she said they advised her. So she's not simply saying that she made the decision off the back of it, but that the Queen and Charles advised her to do it. Um, obviously, it did not go very well in the sense that it was <laughs> it was leaked to the Daily to the Mail on Sunday and published and gave rise to this court case, which she found clearly incredibly traumatic um, and actually another one of the incredibly heartbreaking sections of this document is um, she, Harry, accuses the male of causing Meghan's miscarriage. Um, So that happened in July 2020. Um, The male at the time had applied for the names of five of Meghan's friends to be made public. They were five people who gave anonymous interviews to People magazine to kind of try to fight her corner, so to speak. Um, And they they hadn't been named before and the male wanted those names out there. Meghan said she found the entire thing very stressful. She was having sleepless nights, etc, etc. She was pregnant at the time um, and uh, she she did miscarry that pregnancy. And Harry uh, says he can't know for sure, but he blames the male. It should be noted that most doctors say that the vast majority of miscarriages do not happen, though, because of environmental causes. It's not because the mother's doing a bad job of managing her stress. If anybody is getting the impression that Megan was under stress and didn't handle her stress well, and that's why she had a miscarriage, um, blame does not go to mothers yes. in this case. And and doctors, for the most part, agree that that is, that is the science behind miscarriages. Uh, not environment, not the mom's fault for not managing her stress. So we just want to make that clear also. Yeah, indeed. Now, there's one more thing that I did want to bring up. We did speak about Jason, and obviously we it's important to have balance. We care about balance on the show. <laughs> well, we do. It's important. <laughs> it's important to have balance. We we do care about balance. I'm just sorry. I always shake my head when Jason's name comes up. Okay. Sorry. Well, but as you were, Jack. Yes. So look, there is one thing that I thought that this could have spoken more about, and I was slightly disappointed that they didn't. And that is the uh, bullying allegations against Megan. And I'll tell you the reason why I think they should have gone into greater detail with it is because it is a potential alternative explanation for the turning point that they did describe. So they say that everything changed in October 2018. They talk about a tour of Australia and the South Pacific that happened at that time. Um, And October 2018 was also the month that Jason sent his email accusing Meghan of bullying her two PAs out of the royal family and expressing concern for her private secretary, Samantha Cohen. Um, So now, you know, I'm perfectly happy for Meghan and Harry to deny those allegations. And, you know, it would have been interesting to see her go through point by point some of the specific things that have been said. And, you know, absolutely happy for her to say something's untrue, if that's what she thinks, or if she wants to take some responsibility for something, then I'm happy with that too. But it did feel slightly jarring to me that they just didn't give any accounts of the fact that this seemingly major event took place at the exact time that they said the turning point 
between them and the royal family happened. Um, it kind of seemed to me like you know, the two sides of this argument are living in parallel universes. You know, you've got Harry and Meghan saying it's all the jealousy of the royal family and not kind of acknowledging the existence of this other argument. And meanwhile, you've got the palace saying, well, it's all, or, you know, perhaps uh, former palace staff anyway, saying it's all that Meghan was bullying us. And um, there's no, you know, there's no reconciling those two separate narratives. It would have been really interesting to see Harry and Meghan give a proper account or a proper response to that. Whereas the bullying allegations are only actually dealt with later on at the point that they become public um, with Oprah. Yeah. Conveniently, right before the Oprah interviews gets broadcast to the world is when uh, those allegations become public. And um, the timing of that, I have to say, does not help the legitimacy of those accusations because it does at that point then look like a smear campaign against Megan rather than something legitimate. Because like I said, the timing is just too, you know... Uh, two on the nose there. I think the reason it came out is definitely to try to get their side of the story out before Oprah happened. I think there's no doubt about that. But also, I would just note that Harry does definitely believe in a right to reply. This is something he's complained about in his dealings with the media before when he felt that he wasn't given a right to reply on stories that were published in the mail. There's two court cases where he's made this complaint now. Um, and, you know, if you are going to criticise people, and they did criticise Kensington Palace, both in Oprah and in the Mail on Sunday court case the summer before, then there is a right to reply. And I can't find anything in what Harry and Meghan has said that would be tantamount to an explanation for why their staff shouldn't also have permission to tell their story. I'm sorry, I don't quite catch that. You're saying... So, like... Trying, I'm trying to get inside Harry and Meghan's heads. Like, what within their argument could you use to say that the staff should not have given their side of the story? Like, maybe you can say that they should have gone on the record and given their names and kind of, you know, put, like actually put their names and faces to their allegations. Like, that would be a legitimate argument. But what could you say to those staff members to say that they shouldn't tell their story? Mm. Like, Harry and Meghan are telling their story, yeah. right? I, I don't think Harry and Meghan have tried to suppress their story. I don't think they've said, you can't tell your side of the story. But they have pointed out aptly that the timing of, you know, these allegations being made public, a little fishy, you know. But as far as I know, Meghan and Harry have never said, and they should never be allowed to speak again, these accusers. <laughs> they haven't said that at all, as far as I know. Um, but I, And I would like to hear more from those accusers, to be honest with you. I, I wish things had not just been thrown into a lockbox for none of us to hear about this again. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. As you have said Jack, I probably will never learn anything more despite wanting to, because if we open that lockbox up, we're going to find out about a lot more ugly stuff. You know, we know about Charles throwing yeah, yeah. pens and having fits. We know about Andrew yelling at people and having meltdowns because his teddy bears are not in the right arrangement. We already know that there is abuse and bullying for many members of the firm already. So they, they don't want this lockbox open. They want it hid away in a dungeon somewhere in the tower to never be heard from again. <laughs> and we will see whether there's anything in spare, because who, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe that's something that will be addressed in spare in Harry's memoir. That would be great. I, I hope <sighs> there is, because like I said, I'd really like to know more about that myself. I really would. We're going to take a quick break, but before we do, a reminder to rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you get your favourite shows. And when we're back, the public reacts to Harry and Meghan. So stay tuned for that. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And we're back with some public opinion stats in the aftermath of the release of Harry and Meghan. And they are very mixed. Yes, they sure are. If we're to base things on viewership numbers, Harry and Meghan are the most fascinating people of the decade. As of today's taping, the first half of Harry and Meghan is Netflix's biggest documentary debut of all time. It debuted with 81.55 million hours viewed by over 28 million households just in its first four days. Yes, but public opinion polls tell a slightly different story. In the UK, Prince Harry's favourability rating dropped by 13 points, Meghan's by 7 points, Meghan is disliked by two-thirds of the British public, um, which I think is the lowest that her approval rating has sunk, um, and that has, that change has come since the Netflix documentary dropped. She was obviously unpopular before, but they've both slid since. Yes. Um other stats in these polls that are worth looking at are also William and Kate. They are, at this point, the most popular royals in Britain, with the Prince of Wales liked by 77% and disliked by 15%, giving him a net rating of 0.62. The Princess of Wales was viewed positively by 72% and negatively by 15%, giving her a net rating of 0.57. Both dropped seven points since November, though. So this is not, you know, the greatest that they've ever had it in the public polls. And it should be noted that there's also um, an age aspect to all of this, too. Young Brits aged 18 to 24 are much more divided on William and Kate, with 31% viewing each negatively. Yes. And so basically, Britain, it would appear, is at this moment in time siding with the monarchy. Um, And Harry and Meghan haven't really managed to overturn some of the historic negative feeling that has existed towards them since I think it started really when they made the decision to quit Britain. And uh, then also they dropped in the opinion polls again after doing Oprah and in the months that followed. Um, We have also done some polling of America, which has shown that um, Harry, William and Kate are roughly on a par with one another. Um, They are liked by a little over 50% of America and Meghan is trailing some way behind. She's roughly 20 points behind Kate in her net approval rating. It should be said that America does have a positive overall opinion of Meghan and all four of the royals. Um, It's not a situation like the one in Britain where there's quite a significant amount of negativity towards them. Um, but one thing that I that struck me as quite interesting about it all is that Megan's standing right now in America is not totally different to where she was with the British public in October 2019. So uh, obviously, the, what Harry and Megan have said is that 2019 yeah. was kind of the year of hate. My words, not not theirs. But that was when the media turned against them. It was when there were loads of quite sometimes quite petty negative stories about them. Um, it's when social media became really toxic and horrible towards Meghan. Um, and at the end of that year, at the point that for those who have seen the document, 
documentary, we'll, we'll see Megan do an interview with Tom Bradby in which she says she was not okay. At that point, she was liked by 50, 55% of the British public. Um, so she is liked by actually a slightly smaller percentage of America now than she was uh, liked by Britain then. And what that kind of does for me is it, mm-hmm. it, it just crystallises the extent to which some of what Harry and Meghan went through was rooted in their subjective experience. But actually the British public as a whole were perhaps not quite so negative about uh, Meghan and Harry at that point as perhaps it probably felt like to them at the time. Um, Megan kind of touches on this a little bit. She talks about a school visit where she was hugely popular and she was kind of surprised because she felt like everyone hated her. Um, but it was it was actually only when they made the decision to quit royal life that the polls started to turn against them. Public polls, they change all the time. You know, let's not forget there have been times where the public has absolutely hated Charles and loved Charles. Uh, public opinion goes up and down with all of the royals. And it'll be interesting to see in the coming months and years how things change as Britain becomes um, more accustomed to this post-Elizabeth era, this new Charles era, and whether or not people even feel the monarchy is necessary anymore. We know that there are definitely people, including guests we've had on the show, who feel like, no, the monarchy its time has come and gone. So we'll see what the polls say down well, the road. What will we do, Kristen? <laughs> oh. Never mind the royals. What will me oh, and you do? We're going to be hanging out <laughs> with Harry and Meghan, right? In Montecito. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but actually, your point brings me onto another another subject that I'm sure uh, we could talk about for hours, but maybe we'll just briefly mention that Omid, who we talked about o- earlier and who has been a guest on the show, has a new book coming out. Um, and he has revealed the title of it. It's going to be called Endgame, and it is going to be considering whether the monarchy has a future. Yes. Um, and uh, a lot of people think it doesn't. So it. I'm very excited for Omid's book. I already am um, pre-ordering it and curious about what he has to say, what the experts have to say that he talks with, and what his sources inside the palace have to say. It'll it'll be a juicy read, I think. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. But before we do, a reminder to follow us on Twitter. Jack is at Jack underscore Royston. I am at Kristen Meinzer. We always have the latest royal updates on our Twitter feeds. Jack has all the big scoops at Newsweek. When we're back, how the public feels about King Charles's first Christmas speech. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, everyone. We're back with one last quick story. In just over a week, King Charles will be giving his first official Christmas speech as the monarch 
But not everyone is waiting with bated breath for the big moment. So we are back to some more polling, and some forty-nine percent of Brits said they don't plan on watching the King's speech on Christmas Day. Eight、um, percent of those people saying they had previously tuned in to watch the Queen, but were less interested to watch Charles's. Now, obviously, we as royal、uh, co- correspondents and、uh, experts will need us to say be watching King Charles's speech, and obviously need us to say we will be searching for any whisper. Of a hint of a reference to Harry and Meghan and all of the drama we've just been talking about, and no doubt we will be sorely disappointed when I'm sure there will be nothing there. But that is what we will be doing on Christmas will Day. Will there really be nothing? Will there be a framed picture in the background? You know, people look closely at that, that TV screen. That is possible. <laughs> yeah, that is the big thing, isn't it? What's on the desk? Who's made it onto the desk, and who hasn't?、Yes. But I mean, this is yeah. We're in new territory. It's Charles, so who knows? He could do anything. I guess there's no precedent. Yeah, maybe there won't be any photos at all on the desk. Maybe it'll just be stuffed animals. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll have his plants because obviously people used to famously say that he spoke to、yes. plants. So perhaps he'll have you know his plants, or perhaps some of the chickens who he, who he saved <laughs> because he's got you know he saved several rare species of chicken. <laughs> so yeah, he'll have that, and then a picture of the Patagonian toothfish who he、uh, famously wrote to government ministers to try and save. Yes, I, I mean we're joking about it, but I, I'm cool with that. Yeah, talk to a fish. Yeah, why not? I talk to、not? my plants all the、why、time. I, I I like my plants. <laughs> They're my friends. I talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we will obviously But, after we watch that speech be putting out an episode of the Royal Report, reporting back on what happens with that speech, what's going on with his desk, who's actually celebrating the holidays where this year it's going to be a different holiday season, a very different one than for the past ninety plus years when、uh, we had the. Queen alive and well, so、um, there's going to be you know a, a fresh new season ahead, and we'll be able to talk about some Christmas cards. We've actually had the Cambridge Christmas card already. So there's a new picture of them out this week.、Uh, the four, <coughs> sorry, the five of them. William, Kate, George, Charlotte, and Louis,、um, all walking hand in hand. So we will be presumably. I can only assume that we will have had Harry and Meghan's Christmas card by that point too, and we will be able to chat about that. But also, look, I might totally be wrong. Maybe Charles will just go out there, and he w- maybe he will address some of the stuff that Harry and Meghan have said. You can never say never. Oh my gosh! Maybe he'll say. By the way, I'd like to make sure everybody knows that my grandchildren, Lilibet, Archie. I'm going to give them an HRH title right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's yeah. He was just saving it、yes. for Christmas. This these whole are your、time. Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> just he's, he just wanted to keep us yeah, waiting. Yeah, you know, that's the kind、you、of、know. guy he is. He's king now. He doesn't have to care、yeah. what we think. And the holidays, they're all about anticipation and surprises. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Jack, that's it for this week's episode of the Royal Report. Be sure to join us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives, and riff on all things royal. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer, and I'm Jack Royston. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and a curtsy to you all.